0: Hey Tracy. Yeah. So we see a lot of depictions of nurses, doctors on TV, right? Um, What's your favorite TV show or movie relating to the healthcare field?
1: Well, it goes way back to ER.
0: Oh. And
1: I, before nursing school, I watched ER all the time. Was a huge fan, and only a little bit embarrassed to say that that's kind of like. Got me thinking about oh maybe I want to do this. Yeah. Uh, turns out not. It actually it is not actually at all accurate
0: yep. <laughs>
1: about what I've seen anyway. And since then I really haven't been able to watch many yeah. many medical shows because they just seem very very yeah. far off of what actually happens. How
0: about you? Well, I mean this kind of will date me a little bit, but I love Grey's Anatomy when it came out.
1: I'm surprised to hear that.
0: I loved it um, because I was, I don't know. (laughs) Hey, I got a soft side. I loved it because it was when I was in nursing school um, and, you know, I was, you know, kind of getting used to the lingo and they would throw in those words and stuff on the show. And just the culture uh, that was depicted on the TV, I liked that. But then I got into my first clinical class. I was like, yeah, this is not what nursing is about mm-hmm. yeah so you know we will have on this show a very good um, example of how things work in the hospital in terms of communication we will have a physician and a nurse uh, talk to us about you know effective uh, nurse to provide a communication we hope that you enjoy uh, this discussion on clinical pros Effective communication among healthcare providers is very important. According to the Joint Commission, poor communication accounts for two-thirds of the Sentinel incidences in healthcare. Furthermore, inadequate communication between nurses and doctors leads to dissatisfaction and a lack of autonomy among nurses. Seemingly, physicians express frustration when orders are not initiated in a timely manner. On this episode of Clinical Pros we're honored to have Dr. Flanagan, a pulmonologist and critical care physician and Mr. Weekly, an ICU nurse and nurse practitioner student. Gentlemen, thank you for joining us today. Dr. Flanagan, tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Uh, so my name is Brian Flanagan. Uh, I do pulmonary critical care like BJ said. I've been doing that 10 years now. Uh, I work out at St. Vincent's East in Trustville and uh, prior to that I was at UAB. I did all my training here, was here for 10 years. Um, so I Born in Tuscaloosa, been in Birmingham for most of
0: my adult life, and that's pretty much it. And uh, why did you choose uh, medicine as a career?
2: Oh, you didn't prepare me for that. (laughs) Um, So I I get asked this a lot, and there's not a really easy answer. I think I had always sort of been attracted to science um, and enjoyed that medicine was... An application of science. I like the ideas behind science. The theory did not so much like sort of the benchwork side of it. So, mm-hmm. I think that's kind of what initially steered me in that direction.
0: Okay. And Mr. Weekly, um, tell us more about yourself and uh, why nursing is a career. All
3: right. Uh, my name is Adam Weekly. I'm an intensive care nurse at Saint disease I work with Dr. Flanagan. I've also worked with BJ. Um, I graduated from nursing school initially at from Jeff State in 2014 went back in 2022, obtained my bachelor's degree, and now I'm currently a practitioner student here at UAB. Wow, thank you. And as far as nursing for a career, I um, actually had a grandmother who died from pancreatic cancer. Mm-hmm. So I kind of watched her go through that and how people helped her, and I wanted to be able to help people as well. Good, thank you.
0: Thank you both for your service.
1: So uh, many times new nurses, new graduates especially, don't feel comfortable communicating to physicians. So Dr. Flanagan, how do you make new nurses and even seasoned nurses really, if it's maybe their first time, you know, working with you, feel more comfortable approaching you with patient concerns that they have?
2: Um, A lot of that is simple, you know, courtesy, listening to people, that sort of stuff, you know, just being approachable. Um, I do think, you know, at this point in my career, some of it is, I've been at the same hospital for a long time. I think I have established a reputation that I'm approachable. I think Adam can probably tell you that young nurses sometimes look to other nurses, hey, I've got to call Dr. Flanagan. Is he gonna scream at me on the phone? And I don't know what's said when I'm not around, but but hopefully I think they would say, no, it's fine. He's approachable. He'll listen to you. And, you know, just being reasonable, I think is, is
1: a big part of it. It, it doesn't sound that hard, right? It's just being nice and, like you said, approachable. Yeah, exactly. And I I mean,
2: I think it's easy talking here to say that, but when, you know, there is stress of the job and pressure and being busy and all of those things make it more difficult. It's simple when you're removed from it to say, just be nice to people. But um, but yeah, that is honestly a big part of it.
0: That's true though. I, I can see that. Yeah, and Mr. Weekly, actually, I'll call you Adam. So, you're a seasoned nurse now. Um, What advice do you have for those new nurses that are just coming out, um, you know, first few months in the job? What advice would you give them? Hey, this is how you'd want to communicate with Dr. Flanagan or any of the other ICU doctors that you encounter on a daily basis? Yeah, so first, you know, speak with courtesy, Mm -hmm. be kind to them. Um, When
3: you do need to call them for something, have some kind of structure or format such as SBAR mm-hmm. so you're not wasting his time you know he's got all these patients in the hospital and then the clinic too he has a good clinic as well okay. but just make sure that you have some kind of structure when you call him hey this is Miss Smith in ICU room 3 this is what's going on with her this is why she's here this is the current issue and here's my recommendation
0: so actually you bring up a good point actually having your information together with you before you make that call to make that uh, call much better and make sure that you relay the information that you have to the provider much better. Um, So, you know, studies have shown that the relationship between nurses and physicians has been characterized by hierarchy, power differentials, and the avoidance of open uh, disagreement. Uh, Can you two speak to this and how you have overcome this? Dr. Flanagan, we'll start with you first.
2: Well, I think, Starting off, I mean, again, some of these things sound easier and are harder in practice. There has to be, in in any system and not just healthcare, there does have to be some hierarchy. Mm -hmm. You can't totally remove that or you have chaos, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And I think some of the difficult thing that some younger physicians deal with is you do, I mean, you have to respect that and you have to be the voice of authority sometimes in certain subjects. And you have to balance that with also being able to listen to the other person and respect the other person Mm -hmm. and and value their opinions. Um, You know, especially if you're away and they're at the bedside and you're not there.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, So that's a hard thing to navigate at first for us is how do I learn to look at both sides of this issue? You know, how do I learn to stay as as the authority because it's ultimately my job but still respect the other person and listen to the other person and value what they have to say
0: and i think that comes with experience right Uh, Mm -hmm. the more experience that you have uh, the better that you are able to navigate that um, uh, dynamics right you hope yeah (laughs)
1: right yeah i think a lot of it must be and, and from my own experience the trust that you build with the nurses and doctors that you're working with. So how do you work on, when When I know everyone is busy, we're you know, very short staffed in healthcare all over the place right now. So you're running all over the place, but how do you work on building that trust over time with each other? So Brian. I, don't...
3: Uh, I can speak to that. So one of the main things I think that is important is when he comes to the unit, and I know he has a lot of patients, I try to go in the room and round with him. Right. he's also him and bj both also as providers will typically go and look for the nurse so that we can round with them mm-hmm. and that kind of helps build a relationship between the provider and the nurse and also you know it's good for the patient to see a united front and then if they explain something to a patient and kind of need it dumbed down or re-explained then you know exactly what the provider said
0: to them right yeah so um adam you are um a charge nurse on your, on your unit um, do you oftentimes uh, talk to the new nurses, give them, you know, in services and uh, some tips on how to uh, communicate uh, with uh, physicians or other APPs? Certainly.
3: Um, you know, I've been there for a while. Same hospital. So I know know most of the providers there. Um, so they typically look to me for advice. But I just, you know, kind of tell them how to prepare again, have some kind of format, some kind mm-hmm. of structure when you call them. And then also I would you know advise them to have the computer available, open the chart, so if he asks for any labs or any medications they may be on, then you can have that readily available instead of, hang on one second, hang on one second.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think that's so important. And just to <clears throat> go back a little bit, you mentioned SBAR. Mm-hmm. Can you elaborate on what that is for people that might not be familiar sure. with that Sure, yeah, so
3: you know, SBAR is Situation, Background Assessment, Recommendation. You call him, hey, this is Ms. Smith, see bed three, currently, She's had increased shortness of breath. I've listened to her. She sounds a little wheezy. Can we try some you know, breathing treatments, for example? Right.
1: Mm-hmm. How, what do you say to nurses who think, I don't know what to recommend or I'm scared to recommend? Because what if sure. Dr. Flanning thinks I'm stupid for doing
0: this? You know, Tracy, that's a good question because <laughs> yeah. actually that comes up a lot. It does. You know? So yeah. he will often at times, because you're at the bedside, right? Yeah. You are the nurse at the bedside. He will ask you, oh, what yeah. would you recommend?
3: Yeah, so and how do you them, advise? Yeah. yeah, a lot of the times you can ask another nurse, um, and ultimately, really, your job is to advocate for the patients. So, mm-hmm. right, really, what you think would be best, you know, you need to voice it. But yeah, uh, you know, getting—I still, to this day, I've been doing it for eight years, and yes. I still ask other nurses, "Hey, what do you
1: think about this?" Well, sure. And what if they present something to you, and it's not exactly what you would do? What would you do in that situation?
2: So. Some of that depends, you know. At this point, depends on the nurse. Sure. You know, if Adam calls me and says, "Hey, Bed H needs some LevaFed," okay, give him some LevaFed. I we have a relationship. I know you know what you're doing. We've worked together a long time. With you know, yes, with newer nurses, if they call and say, "Hey, Bed H needs LevaFed," and I don't know them, I'm going to say, "Wait a minute. Why? What's going on?" That sort of thing. And so you do, you know, you establish relationships with people and things become more efficient. And then, you know, I do also try, I think, helping to educate people mm-hmm. when I'm there. You know, that's, that's not a phone conversation. If they're calling me and I'm in clinic, it's not the time to go over, you know, presser requirements and management right. and that sort of thing. But if I'm in the unit and, you know, a new nurse has suggested something that I don't agree with, I try not to just say no, I try to say, Let's look at this and let's see why, you know, in this situation, a different presser would be a better option. And then, you know, A, that I think that creates trust um and and respect. And also over time, I think then we all learn what each other like. And it helps when we have these quick phone calls. I've talked to this person, they know what I one and right. i know that we've discussed things and their line of thinking is in line with mine or is appropriate and makes things more efficient but some sure. of that is just it takes time
0: sure yeah so you know part of the problem is the existing infrastructure for delivering uh messages to physicians and vice versa you know you know there's still those physicians that prefer to be paged right um and then you want to hear back from them 30 minutes later. Um, so, Dr. Flanagan, how do you prefer nurses to get in touch with you uh, in your current clinical practice?
2: Everybody has my cell phone. Yeah. Um, and I don't mind calls, I don't mind texts. Um, it's it's more efficient. I, I The answering service going through the paging yeah. operator is a waste, it wastes my time and your time, um, you know. And so I prefer direct communication, I, I just think that's the right way to do things. Yeah,
0: Adam, uh, do you see that to be the uh, norm or something that's becoming more common? Uh, physicians sharing their num- personal numbers with you?
3: Yes, yeah, so over the past couple of years, that's becoming increasingly more common. Yeah. Uh, we use Vault. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure you use it. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's one. It's a lot of the providers have it on their cell phones, so it's essentially like you know, send them a text message or whatever.
0: Yeah. So I think the other uh, means of communications, those second parties, like Vault have also been uh, used a lot in terms of communication. And I think they've improved that overall communication gap. Yeah. Um, go ahead.
1: Um, I was just gonna ask if there's any time that you were unable to reach a physician or for whatever reason and what that might've felt like.
3: Uh, luckily, I haven't had that issue very you know, often. Um, but in that instance, then you have to go through your channels um, to get in touch with a physician you may have to call the house supervisor and mm-hmm. potentially have them overhead paged yeah. which no physician likes that but sometimes that's <laughs> you know what you have to do to get in touch with somebody so you can take care of the patient
0: right yeah so fostering a culture of trust among healthcare providers is important in improving communication um mr weekly uh, what strategies have you developed uh, that have aided you in demonstrating to physicians that you can be trusted Again,
3: you know, if it's a new physician or I don't know the physician, introduce yourself, make mm-hmm. yourself known, um,
0: communicate appropriately, yeah.
3: and then additionally, I think it's very important, like I said, to round with the physician. Mm-hmm. It shows, you know, kind of builds trust with the physician. And then, I think you mentioned this earlier, but initiate their orders in a timely manner. Yeah. Uh, you know, if they order a stat lab, make sure that you, as soon as possible, can get that. Yeah. Not delay the care.
0: What about you, Doctor uh, Flanagan?
2: I think knowing your patients on on a, on a nursing front is what builds trust with me personally. I you know I get a phone call in the middle of the night and you know it's about a patient one of my partners is covering that I haven't personally taken care of. It, again, you know if it's Adam and I know him and he calls for something, I. I can trust him because we have an established relationship, but if it's with a new nurse and it's, you know, hey, this patient is more short of breath, and I say, okay, well, what were they admitted for? And have they had a recent X-ray? And, and you know, what is their creatinine? All these sorts of things. And if, if we get met with, uh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't really know, sir, I'm gonna have to pull up the computer those are, that's when I get worried. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, when I, when I don't feel like the person at the bedside really understands the situation with the patient. Um, You know, if I call and somebody is Johnny on the spot, you know, hey, I think this is heart failure. Here's what the x-ray looked like. You know, here's what his creatinine is. Do you think it's reasonable to give a dose of Lasix? Trust that person a lot more. Yeah. You know, Um, so that's, I think, how at least if you're calling a physician at night or who doesn't know the patient, how you establish trust and how you get what you need is starts with you having had looked at the chart and understanding what's going on.
0: Correct.
1: I think sometimes it's the nurses, and I've been in that spot, right? I am so focused and then I just assume that you know everything about everybody because the doctor of course and you know all knowing and I forget that you got six partners (laughs) that you know so it is a lot of pressure to put on you um from both of you I and this is maybe a it's not wasn't on on our pre-list of questions but I'm interested to know what you think we might do as we're preparing our nurses and BJ and I both teach in the you know nurse practitioner programs but at an undergraduate level even, as we're pushing new nurses out, trying to fill all these spots, you know, and we're in a nursing shortage. What can we do better as educators to get them ready on day one for this kind of relationship with our physician counterparts?
3: Go ahead.
2: Uh, Again, I think from our standpoint, the most important thing if you're calling us is to be prepared Mm -hmm. is to uh, you know not everybody i and and i realize and i don't know you know every lab on every patient and every detail but when i call have some familiarity have the chart in front of you because if i'm at home i may not have easy access to Mm -hmm. it and if I ask a question, you don't know, you know, it's one thing to say, hold on, I'm sitting here at the chart. Let me look. Right. It's another thing to go. Uh, well, you know, I'm I'm actually outside right now and I don't know. And, you know, that sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, be learning how to be prepared, have some information, be ready for reasonable questions. Mm-hmm. I think that goes a long way in in sort of making me feel comfortable and making me feel comfortable that the person on the other end of the phone, who I, if I don't know them and don't know the patient, you know, that I can trust that they're handling the situation and understand what's going on.
1: Yeah. Adam, do you have Uh, Again, that
3: goes back to having, you know, a structured conversation, like I mentioned Espar before, so that you're not, you know, mumbling your words around. And then I would also, like I mentioned previously, have the computer available, so if he asks for name you have it right there in front of you if you didn't already know it
0: mm-hmm. um, so I think you know kind of to answer your question I think we should as uh, educators we probably need to also make it purposeful teaching uh, effective communication mm-hmm. in a uh, clinical setting both
1: for undergrad and, and graduate, graduate. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: so I think that will go a long way mm-hmm. uh, for patient safety and the overall patient care experience um, as well
1: what do, just something else to add so, Adam, from your perspective, you know, you're I'm I know our new nurses are nervous. Sure. What do we tell them to overcome that and realize yeah. that they're humans, too? Sure. And, you know, it it is just that building of relationships. But what do you any ideas, any strategies that they can use to overcome that initial anxiety? And
3: so speak on that. Um- kind of hits on the previous topic as well. When you're in school and maybe you're doing your preceptorship, ask your preceptor, hey, when we need to call the provider, can that's I do it? Point. So yeah. I can you know, practice so it's not brand new to me when I get out on my own.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So, you know, I think that's important, but also, you know, speak with confidence. Um, like he said, know your stuff, don't sit there and mumble and not not know anything about the patient. You know, it's he's on his time, especially if you yeah. call him in the, middle of the night. Sure. Mm-hmm. So just and, and in order for him to trust you, you have to, be confident and sound like you know what you're talking about at least. Right. So, but yeah, have some idea what's going on the patient and what you would think they would recommend.
1: I used to practice presenting uh, patients, just pretend patients in the mirror. I guess I was getting ready for work. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: just to get that flow, you know, of being able to say da 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 you know. So anyway, take that tip if you want to.
0: Well, I mean, I think that's a good point because we actually do teach our um, nurse practitioner mm-hmm. students, especially in our track, um, communicating Mm -hmm. um, how to present a patient patient, effectively effectively. Uh, and I think maybe that's something that we can bring to the undergraduate level in terms of uh, uh, that communication aspect of it and actually making it purposeful building that into the curriculum I think that will go a a long way
1: so we've talked a lot about calling for new orders or presenting information over the phone um, to physicians but Adam Let's think a little bit about when you're rounding or in person, in front of patients and you see something that you think needs to be addressed or maybe you're thinking maybe something's been missed or um, just you would like to change the focus of what's happening. Um, what do you do about that? How do you find the courage to speak up about those things and and deal with that um, at that level?
3: again ultimately as a nurse your job is to advocate for your patients Mm -hmm. um you definitely wouldn't want to question a provider in front of a family member yeah Um, but say we rounded uh, he came on the unit i rounded in the room with him discussed stuff with the patient perhaps you know when he's exiting to go dictate his note maybe hey this is something that we haven't talked about this is something that i think is a safety concern Uh, what do you think about this for example uh not long ago not his patient had a different patient whose potassium was trending upward. They were on a certain kind of uh, nutrition that was higher in potassium than others, and they were also on a potassium-sparing diuretic. So Mm -hmm. I told the nephrologist, hey, this is what they're on. You know, they're on this tube feeding that's higher in potassium. They're also on this potassium-sparing diuretic. What do you think we should do so we can get the trend in the right direction?
1: Mm -hmm. And I would think, I would hope that a lot of times that's appreciated appreciate it yeah. because there are so many things that we have to keep up with and that they they have to keep up with so I think presenting it like you did which is not an attacking sort of way or you know calling them out that they're wrong but hey I I have this piece of information that I just want to make sure that you that you saw
3: yeah and again and, in, a, yeah. in the critical care realm I have two patients to worry about so I should know all their labs I should sure. know any diagnostic says they were done and you know he's got all of his patients, clinic patients, and then he may be covering for one of his partners. So sure. he's got all these patients. So it's easy to, you know, miss something. Sure. But again, it's not attacking. It's just, hey, maybe we need to bring this to the, you know, to attention.
0: So um, let me just add on to that question. Let's say for instance, you're not getting the answer that you want, Adam, right? Um, and do you sometimes take that to, escalate that uh, further to somebody else or you just, Follow the order that he uh, gives you.
3: If it's if it's something I you know find extremely concerning, I would you know ask him to the side. Can you explain this? Why mm-hmm. why not? Why are you you know why are you on this train of thought versus yeah. something else?
0: Yeah. So and that provides you that education, right? So know. it's an
3: educational moment for the nurses. Yeah. Also.
0: Yeah. So, <clears throat> and this is for both of you, uh, Dr. Klein again and Adam. How do you guys, especially with you, Adam? You know. You will and have encountered, you know, people within the, um, you know, healthcare setting. And these don't have to be physicians. It could be an APP, for that matter. You know, how do you deal with uh, challenging providers, you know? You mean from, like, a a communication standpoint? Like, this person is notorious for treating nurses bad. How do you deal with that person?
3: It's difficult. But, again, you have to, you know, Think of the patient, mm-hmm. what's most important for the patient. So it may be challenging. And again, people have stuff going on in their lives that yeah. you don't know about. Mm-hmm. So maybe they're just having a bad day, mm-hmm. but you know, you have to watch your concerns.
0: Yeah. So Dr. Flanagan, I do know you, you have some challenging people that you work with, um, physicians, APPs. How do you deal with those people when you're trying to relay your message? Because you are a pulmonologist, but let's say for instance, you're working closely with cardiologists and nephrologists. How do you communicate with that person when they're not getting your message?
2: It's a really difficult thing. Um, and I think, you know, you have to be persistent in this. And again, a lot of this gets back to, you know, knowing the details. So say, let's imagine hypothetically that we have a very difficult nephrologist at our hospital. Adam's not laughing. Um, and I think a patient needs dialysis and I call in that person says, no, they don't. And then I say, well, explain to me why the creatinine has gone up over the past three days and the potassium has gone up over the past three days and they've become more hypoxic and they're on the ventilator and I can't oxygenate them and their chest Mm X-ray shows white out. And I think that's, I mean, ultimately I can't arm wrestle this person and say, you are going to dialyze, I win but you try to make the most compelling case you can and say all of this objective data suggests that I'm in the right here. Um, And I think that's all you can do. I mean, at the end of the day, they are entitled to their opinions. That's the way this all works. But again, the more you know, the more you can hit them with objective things to to justify your case.
0: And being civil.
2: Oh, well, well. absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if, if it turns into a yelling match, nothing is going to win and no one's going to win. It's not going to help the patient. So, yes, I mean, being professional, being civil, but, but being confident and being persistent. Uh, and again, that's something that comes with time. Mm-hmm. That's a hard thing to do when you're new um, for all of us.
0: Uh, gentlemen, thank you for uh, joining us. And is there anything that you'd like to... Uh, tell our uh, listeners um, on this topic, something that is succinct that, that they would uh, uh, take home with them. Adam.
3: If you notice a problem with a patient, don't don't be scared to speak up and call a provider. Yeah. Yeah. Don't let your fear let a patient decompensate.
1: Yeah, That's yeah
2: I, th- I think some of it too is just You know, I I have been, as as a medical student, as a resident, I've been on the other end of this and had to call attendings. And some of this just comes with repetition. Everyone is nervous at first. Everyone at some point is gonna call somebody who's in a foul mood and is gonna be rude to you. And you can't take it personally. I mean, you just have to think, hey, I did my job. I was prepared and this person on the other end Whatever their issue is, that's their issue. I've done my job mm-hmm. correctly, and as you do it, you get more comfortable with it, and you, you know, it rolls off your back a little easier. Um, and that just takes time. And that's you know, everyone in this line of work has has had that interaction, and we've all been there. Yeah. And it it gets easier. So the the fear up front, everyone has it, and that's
0: normal, and that's just. Part of it, you know, um, uh, personal story. The very first call that I made uh, as a brand new nurse, uh, it was 5 a.m. in the morning, you know, calling those critical labs, uh, as you normally do uh, that early. Uh, I had called a physician and I got it earful, right? Mm-hmm. But guess why? I didn't have my information with me. I didn't have everything that I needed to present to that physician. Mm-hmm. At 5 a.m. in the morning, who was probably getting up and still not you know, in the best of uh, moods. But um, I learned a lesson that day, um, have my information with me, mm-hmm. make sure that I'm relaying the correct information to, to make sure that that person provides the best treatment uh, plan for that patient. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it over, and, and the other thing that happened during that uh, uh, time, I had my charge nurse who actually took over and was able to uh, relay the information that I was not able to Um, to that physician. So having mentors, um, such as charge nurses, as well as, you know, making sure you know the information that you want to relay goes a long way.
1: Thank you both. That was a wonderful discussion. And
0: uh, yeah, just
1: some great tips. And just remember that we're all doing the best we can most days and uh, just human at the end of the day. So um, thank you both so much for coming over and joining us. And thanks for just a great example of a relationship that really works from nursing and medicine and how we can really use this to take better care of our patients, which is what we're all trying to do at the end of the day. So uh, to our listeners, thank you so much for joining us today. And we will talk to you next time on Clinical Pearls.